Hey, welcome to Portico Church, Arlington. Um, if I haven't met you, my name's Jason, uh, lead pastor here. It's my privilege to open up the Word of God today with you. We're going to be in Colossians. We're not in a series on Colossians, but we're actually wrapping up a series on making big decisions. Things that you've done all week long that you're going to do next week. How do we do that? How do we make decisions in life, not just the big ones, but all of them, with good judgment how do we do that? How do we do it in a way that glorifies God in our life? How do we do it? It's just, it's just practically smart. So we've, we've finished three weeks. Today's our last day in this. And we're going to talk about something that I know you care about. It's work. Um, does anybody here have a job? <laughs> All right, good. Now, does anybody here have a, maybe just you would like a little bit more out of your job? Just a little bit more? No? Man, I know I do. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. You want a little bit more? Wouldn't it be nice if, if the job that you're working may be connected a little bit more efficiently to what you feel like you're here for, your purpose in life? Don't you have this nagging hope that what you spend most of your life doing should somehow connect to a greater purpose? Has anybody been able to just wipe that away and say, no, nah, I'm just clocking in? I'll tell you, the best job I ever had was a paper route. I was done by 7 in the morning. You knew exactly if you did it right or wrong because people would call your house. It's in the bushes. Boy, go get it. It was great. Um, we're going to talk about calling, true calling. What is your calling in life? What is a vocation? Have you ever had somebody... <laughs> Maybe you like to cook, but you're an accountant, and then you cook this great dinner, and somebody says, dude, you missed your true calling. Or maybe you're just, I don't know, maybe you work on assembly line, but you just keep things moving. I'm like, you should be the boss. Or maybe you're a teacher, but you just have this gift, almost this calling for encouraging people. You just bring everybody in the room so what's the connection between this idea of vocation and calling, and how do we make a decision that puts us there? So we're going to walk through that today. We're going to walk through that. What is a calling? Um, and before we even get there, we're going to jump into Genesis and Colossians, but here's what I will tell you. Just, I'm just going to say it right now. Your calling is this. You're going to learn how to co-labor with God for the common good. It's that simple. And for his glory. That, that's what calling is. That's what a vocation is. It's learning how to co-labor with God for the greater good, the common good. Well, what does that mean? We'll get there. And also for his glory. That, that's what we're going to talk about today. So let me jump right in. I'm going to read Colossians 3, verses 23 through 24 for us. It's going to be a bit of a filter. Um, we're going to not talk a whole lot about it, but just let it be the foundation for understanding work and calling and vocation. And we'll also have a few other scriptures, some of which we've actually gone to this week or this sermon series and some that are new. So let me read this. This is going to be Colossians 3, 23 through 24. We did this series actually a while ago in Colossians, so this is not a new verse for you. I know you've heard it. Colossians 3, verse 23. Whatever you do, 
Work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. Why? Well, you're serving the Lord Jesus. You're serving the Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, we come to you as people that work. We work at home. We work in jobs. We work. We work. Why? What, what is your call on that for us? We know that it matters to you. We know this. So my prayer, our prayer as we open up your word, that you would open us up, that you would teach us, that you would shepherd us, that you would teach us how to worship you through what we do. Lord, that you might be seen as worthy. So we thank you and we lift this time up in the name of Jesus Amen. Whatever you do, whatever you do. This covers everything. This covers everything. So calling or vocation is learning how to work with God, right? how to co-labor with him for the greater good. We'll get very specific in that. And also for his glory. Where are we getting that? Do we just make that up? So the two things we're going to talk about to understand this better is, one, what is a calling? We're going to briefly look at that, and then we're going to move right into how to find your calling. And we, it's going to be geeky. We're going to have little spheres up there and things to remember. It's not a checklist, but it's not far from it. So let's just jump right into what is a calling? Well, this kind of came out of the Enlightenment um, and also the Reformation. It used to be that if you had a vocational calling, you were one thing, basically a priest, or in the vocation of religion. That's how it worked. And everybody else, whether you are a cobbler or whether you um, put shoes on horses, you were something else. You were not sacred. And through the Enlightenment and really through the, the uh, calling uh, vocation came through the Reformation, Martin Luther's like, no, that's not right. Actually, the milkmaid and the priest, they both glorify God. God is not more pleased with one than the other. So he removed or tried to remove this threshold we have between the sacred life and the sacred life. Wait, did I say that right? The sacred life and the secular life. He said, no, there's no such thing as a, deny, as, a, as a secular or a divide there. All of life is to worship God, including our work, maybe especially our work, because God works. We spend so much of our life doing that. So terminology a little bit, when we say calling a vocation, I'm using them together as the same term. Uh, vocation is, is um, hear this, it comes from the Latin word vocare, like vocalize. It's a calling. It's a calling. Now, we've changed calling in our culture to mean hear the inner voice. It's never what it meant. Oh, so my inner voice doesn't matter? No, it matters. We'll get there. Slow down. But it's not that. Calling and vocation is an external call. It's you joining a mission or working for someone to move a mission forward that's not your own. It's beyond your self-interest. So just know that. Vocation and calling must inherently go beyond your self-interests. If it doesn't, it's not a calling in the typical sense of the word. So what is a calling? Let me just take you to Genesis 1.26. Uh, you've heard this a million times if you've gone to Portico. Um, we like it. It's great. You know what? So much of understanding the entire book of the Bible is, flows out of the first three chapters of Genesis. So let's just go there. And this is the creation count. 
And then in verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over, over all of the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. We have an objective reason why life matters and why there's absolute equality in all humanity. Isn't that great? Nobody else has that. They have the instinct that it should matter. We have it objectively. Verse 28, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, big word, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So a couple things are going on here. First, God delights in work. He's just created the, the universe, ex nihilo, or something out of nothing. For some reason, God delights in labor. Scripture actually kind of glorifies the work of God. God works. He likes it. He evaluates it as good. And then he creates man and woman in his image, which means they're going to think like him. They're going to make conclusions like him. And at their core, they will be called to reflect his radiant worth to everything they put their hands on and to. That's work. And God loves it. It's not because of sin. This is pre-fall. God's like, I made all this. It's great. Get in on it. Get in on it. And the word subdue, that's very important. It gives us this idea that the universe is full of untapped potential, and you need to get in on it. Co-labor with me. Let's do this. I started it. Let me be your source. Worship me. Reflect my worth to everything. Get in on this. Isn't that beautiful? The cultural mandate. Fill it. Develop it. Co-labor with me. So all this to say, work is inherent in the fact that you're a creature. You're actually the workmanship of God. So, at its essence, you're called to work. Everybody is. Does it mean supposed to have a job? No, it means you have one. Now, vocation doesn't mean paid labor. For most of us, it does, but for many, it doesn't. What happens when you retire? Do you not have a calling? What happens if you're a mom at home? Do you not have a, no, you, you're working. You're co-laboring with God to the greater good for his glory. You're doing it. It's not just paid labor. In fact, many times, people that have jobs that they don't want, newsflash, many people across the world don't have a decision on what they're going to do. All right, just saying that. So they still have callings, though. They still are encouragers, and they bless their community, and they serve in ways. God continues to use them. So know this, calling is inherent in creation. God gives us that call. And this call is from God. Yes, he gives this to Adam and Eve. Fill it, subdue it. And it's for others. Uh, we mentioned this last, was it last week in Corinthians? Just to give us an idea of how God thinks. 1 Corinthians 12, varieties of gifts. Same spirit, varieties of service, same Lord, varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given a manifestation of the spirit for the common good. It's how God thinks. You need to know that. It's not just in the church. It's everywhere. But especially in the new creation which is the coming kingdom, seated, founded on Christ, and developed in the church. So your calling 
isn't for you. Am I not supposed to enjoy my work? No, you're supposed to hate it. Just kidding. No, that's not. Please don't make conclusions on that. But your calling is not for you. Man, you're not for you. You are not going to find fulfillment in your labor. It should be good, but you're not going to find it there. Um, We've turned work into personal fulfillment. We've turned it into creating an identity. It just can't do that for you. Just can't do that. Thank God. What happens if it could? It's not for that. There's a little fable. Um, maybe you've heard it before. I think it's kind of old. And a guy's walking along the road, and he comes up to three workers, and they're busting rocks. Have you heard this before? Like in a quarry. And he goes up to the three workers, and he's curious as to what they're doing. And he asked the first worker, hey, what's this all about? What are you doing? He's like, really? I'm breaking rocks. He's like, oh, okay. What about you? What are you doing? He goes, dude, I'm just making a living. Right? Clocking in, doing my thing, support my family. And the last one is like, oh, okay, what are you doing? He's like, I'm making a cathedral. So, Understanding that God has given you a call in labor, you have to ask yourself, do I approach my calling, my work, the things God has put me in charge of, that I'm responsible? Are you breaking rocks or are you making a cathedral? Are you working for yourself or are you partnering with God in the greater good? Seeing his kingdom come, see his will done on earth as it is in heaven. He cares about what you're doing, man. He cares about how you do it and how you do it well. Regardless of whether you like your job or not, he will work in it and through it. Are you breaking rocks? Are you just making a living? Or are you making a cathedral? Are you a part of what he's doing? If you will surrender that to him, he will work through it. So understand that. This is your calling. Co-labor with God in their greater good for his glory. So that's a very, very quick idea of what a vocation or a calling is. I'll tell you this. As I was studying about it, I got so excited. I want to do more on faith and work. We're going to go back. In fact, before I jump to how we decide a calling for us, let me give you two recommendations for books that came that I used for this series. One is called Just Do Something by Kevin DeYoung. Great book. If you're, if you're like, yeah, man, this, is, this, this sermon series is actually brought me more questions than it answered. I would like more information. Go read that book. It's really good. Just Do Something by Kevin DeYoung. And the next one is um, Every Good Endeavor by Pastor Timothy Keller. Fantastic. I think we're going to go through that some, at some point during this year. But I would encourage you to read it if you want more information. So how do you find your calling? Has anybody found it? I think it's in the parking lot. Where'd you leave it? All right, we're going to put up a slide. So as we walk through these spheres, I want to tell you this first and foremost. This is not a checklist. In other words, there's not a priority here. What I'm going to ask you to do is think through these spheres of your life while you're choosing, while you're working out your calling and your vocation in life. There's not one that's necessarily more important than the other. What you will find is depending on the season of your life, one sphere might take more precedence than the other, right? The five spheres should be up there. Your ability. Do what you're good at. Your affinity. Do what you love. 
opportunity. Do what's needed. That's the one that's always overlooked. Community, do what's wise. Let somebody speak in to that for you. And also another one we just absolutely don't even like that. Who cares? Like responsibility, do your duty. As we work through these ideas together, you will see them shift and come into line. And you're like, oh, okay, now you're working through a calling. So it's not just one of these. We want to work through all of them, balance these spheres out. Um, this came from one of my seminary professors. I have to give him credit or he'll get mad at me. Uh, his name is Dr. Jean. He's a really good guy. He, I mean, he worked on Wall Street for years and then called, it, called him into ministry. But this is very helpful. So he doesn't think like a pastor, and I love that. So uh, this is helpful for us. So let's walk through these. Um, what does it look like to find our calling, understanding that we are actually co-laboring with God for the greater good and his glory? First is ability. Do we need to say this? Do what you're good at. I think we do need to say that. Um, you might have grown up saying, I want to be like mom. And she does X, Y, and Z. Man, you might not be good at it. That's going to be a problem. Can I give you some freedom in that? Half this series is about just taking the energy down a notch. Don't hang everything on your job or finding your calling when you're, I still haven't figured it out, kind of, right? We're, we're working through it, right? I'm joking on that. I know what I'm supposed to be doing. Listen, I have no more choices in life. You guys do, right? <laughs> Care about this. Um, you might have said, I want to be like Uncle Rico and be a professional football player. Or, I want, you know, you're not good at it. Your ability, do what you're good at. Everybody has natural gifts and aptitudes and things that you're good at. So that's a good place to start. Let's just state the obvious. Now, this is less about finding a job that's perfect for you and learning how to walk in these things that God has given you. Do you have skills? Assessments. We do this all the time. We are probably the most assessed culture in the history of the universe. We love ourselves. We love our personalities. We love our gift sets. We think everybody should be like us. We think we're amazing, right? Okay, there's some help to that, but do what you're good at. That's great. Caution on that. Don't always do what you're good at because many times God puts you or gives you opportunities to do things that stretch your skills and your gifts. If you continue to refuse everything except what you can win at, um, you're not going to grow. But first sphere, ability. Um, Paul even says this, right? I planted, Apollos watered. Why? Uh, probably because Paul was good at planting a church and Apollos was good at building it up. That's revolutionary. They were both good at something. Now, in the letter to the Corinthians, he's trying to get them to stop picking one over the other, but it's, it's, it's the way it works, uh, ability. I remember in my previous... Um, this is, this is really sad. At my previous job, when I was flying and I was in the training department and um, training new hire pilots, this poor kid just couldn't fly. And we were like two weeks in, the director said, you got to get rid of him. I'm like, ah, give him another day. But then he was like, the next day he's like, get him out. Like we're wasting his time and our time and our money. So I just sit down with him. I'm like, ah, you know what? He, you know why we're going to have this conversation? He's like, nope. I'm like, you're making this hard this isn't for you, man, right? When we go upside down and stuff, like, that's not good. Like, it's not. 
I'm making fun, but like really, he, it wasn't much different from that. It wasn't his thing. He was young. Maybe he'll grow into it, but I didn't sense he had the aptitude. So I had to tell him. You know what he said to me? He said, you know what? I spent my whole life doing this. You know how much money I spent on this? I'm like, I know, and I feel for you, but you're going to hurt people. This is not for you. Hey, maybe manage an airport. Maybe you know, there's a lot of things you can do in aviation, but this, at this point in time, and may, I had to tell him, maybe never. I don't want to maybe have that freedom. Maybe there's something else for you out there. Do what you're good at. All right. Secondly, affinity. Now, this is good. We like that one, right? Kind of. The second one's affinity. Do what you love. Anybody relate? That's probably the only one we really care about. At least we're told to care about. Just do what you love and the money will follow. That's just a big fat lie. You should do what you love, but sometimes you need to just love what you do because somebody's paying you to do it. Now, there is common sense in there, right? There's common sense, but do what you love. That's good. Just don't build an identity on it. What do I mean by that? Don't try this idea that we have in culture is that identity is built through expression, self-expression. So if I can't express myself in the job the way I want to, I'm somehow less of a human. Just throw it away. Throw it away. It's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. But do what you love. Just don't try to build an identity out of what you're doing. So if you can do what you love, do it. However, if you're like me, you will be fickle. And so what I love this month, I may not love next month. And so if you find yourself on endless rabbit trails, maybe you've taken do what you love to a level that's unhealthy. Um, a pastor named Frederick Buchner. He was a 20th century Presbyterian dude, but he was also a poet. I'm going to paraphrase something he said, and I think it's really insightful. He said, you'll find your place of calling when your gladness, not love, but gladness, I think that's a little richer, intersects with the world's deep need. Isn't that beautiful? You'll find your place of calling when your gladness intersects with the world's deep need. You know what it does now? It takes it away from just what I desire and what the world needs. Now we're talking about a macro call, a job, a vocation, but don't ignore the micro call. Like last week, I, was, I had a, an afternoon planned, but then my grandson showed up. Guess what my call was? To be happy. And we suited up and we walked out and we were playing outside and it was cold and that was my call for that day. Right? And I had gladness in that, but it wasn't what I had planned to do. So sometimes that's, that little lesson is, is a greater lesson as well. So ability, do what you're good at. Affinity, yes, do what you love. We're balancing these fears. Next is opportunity, do what's needed. Even though I told you there's not a priority, this is the one that's very overlooked. Hey, maybe you consider what's needed in your world, in your neighborhood, before you decide to equip yourself for a job. That's just, just common sense, right? It's often ignored. Let me tell you a little bit how this works out. Um, king David, you know, God called him to be the second king of Israel and the paradigm, right, of what it means to have a good godly king but when he received that call, he was really just a kid in a field, just shepherding sheep. But 
what God saw in him was faithfulness and that he loved God. So God gave him a call early, but then he continued to be a shepherd. Anybody see a problem with that? No. Let me tell you this. Many times your calls develop organically over time and through what's needed. Quit worrying about what you should be doing and start doing what's around you. Commitment creates clarity, so get on it. You put way too much stock on what you should be doing, and you're ignoring the things you can do, the things that are around you, the things that will serve people. Apparently, those sheep needed to be shepherded, and he did it. And I guarantee you, it taught him patience. It taught him how to protect his kingdom. And then he was a musician, and Saul was throwing spears at him. So he learned like, how to deal with people who were erratic. That's good in any job, right? Probably learned how to write this emo poetry that's in Psalms. I mean, God was working out this call in his life over years. He learned how to be a friend. He learned how to be a, a fugitive and not take vengeance. That's really important for a king. And then he learned how to be a king, and he still wasn't good enough, right? Because he was a pointer to King Jesus. But... God worked this out over decades, okay? So opportunity. Um, your calling is not in the future. Forget about that. Erase it. It matters. Think it through. But your calling's right here, right now. That's God calling you to right now. What's around you? What's your opportunity? Do what's needed for community. Do what's wise, right? Um, I'm going to go back to Proverbs for a minute. There's a lot of wise things in Proverbs. Whether it's this is Proverbs 11, 14, whether it's no guidance of people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is what? What? Safety? Yeah, you got it. Right? Safety. You want safety? Do you want safety in your calling? Get people in on your team. I don't know. I'm thinking about taking this job. Do you think? It's an awful job. Why? Oh, I used to work for that company. They're horrible. Oh, good. Thanks, man. Plus, you're bad at that. Do this. <laughs> man, you need people speaking into your life. And if we just understand calling is for me and it's about me and it's about expressing myself, now when I have some, now I'm afraid to tell you. I'm like, ugh. Because you're, you're going to be crushed. God forbid you should be good at it. It'll consume your life. God forbid you're bad at it. It will crush you. It's not about you right? Um, just takes so much pressure off. Let people in on it. Do you remember Esther? Do you remember the book of Esther? If you haven't read it, you can read it today. It's very short. It's very, it's very good. What I love about Esther is um, it, she makes a lot of weird decisions. I'm just going to tell you that right now. God has really gifted her, and through her, what I would call sketchy decisions, and through her giftedness, she rises the ranks of the Persian Empire to the inner court of the king. And the Bible, Esther never justifies or even explains what she's doing. You're just like, what's going on here? But she's been gifted with beauty and intellect, and she's really cunning, and it gets her to the spot, right? Gets her to the, the inner circle of the king. And in this history of Israel, they're on exile. They're scattered throughout the Persian Empire, and life is not good for them. And then this, this plot hatches to wipe out all of the Jewish refugees, just stamp them out. 
she gets wind of it. And then her cousin, Mordecai, says, hey, you know what? Maybe you're here for a time such as this, Esther. Remember that? What does she say? I just got to read this to you. And who knows whether you've not come to the kingdom for such a time as this, Esther. I will go to the king, she says, and it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Now that's a woman who understood her call. God had called her in that moment to go deliver my people. She's like, that's risky. But my cousin says I should do it. I think he's right. Get people in on your call. Get pe- help, like, get people in on it. Now, they're, they're not all going to give you good advice. That's why it says abundance of counselors. <sighs> Last one. Responsibility. So do what's wise, yes, community. And also, do your duty. Duty is a word that we don't even talk about anymore. Um, Duty actually matters to God. How does this flesh out in your calling? Well, I drove a 7-Up truck for a long time, and it's not because I wanted to, right? My calling was elsewhere. I knew it. My wife knew it. But I had to make groceries. We had a bunch of kids, and she was going through nursing school. So I was called to drive that truck and make groceries and get her through and get her through her boards and then we flipped. So your duty matters. Again, it's not always about you. Hey, you think about how what you're doing, the calling you're going to take, is going to impact the people in your life. How's it going to impact your kids? How's it going to impact your church? Well, who cares about that? They're just a place where I get religious goods and services, right? No. <laughs> no. Scripture is very clear. The gospel creates a family. So how's it going to affect us if you roll out, right? How, maybe there's a season of your life where you have to take care of your parents. I'm going to preach on that for a long time. <laughs> but really, we've gone through seasons of that. It kept us from moving out of places we didn't know to move out of. It, maybe there's a season of life where you just, hey, my duty is primary right now, and that affects your call. So which one is it? Is it my ability, do what you're good at? Is it my affinity, do what you love? Is it your opportunity, do what's needed? Is it your community, do what's most wise in everybody's eyes? Or is it your responsibility, do your duty? Well, I don't know. I've seen through seasons where it's been all of those together sometimes, if it's a really good job, and sometimes you're just struggling by just to get through one of them. Um, you, you're, you remember, you're not going to look forward and see what God has for you. Quit looking for it. Be wise, but he's not going to give you your life plan. That's not how providence works. That's not how prayer works. But you can look backwards. I can look backwards and see how my time in the airlines, and the fact that we had kids really early, really set us up to do what we're doing. I can see that now. It was really hard back then. Never wanted to do this, but God had other plans. And it, it took all of these things for, a t- for God to communicate to us, this is what you're doing, right? Um, 
there was, well, acceptability. Um, there was a, a love for it. There was an opportunity. People are saying you should do this. And it became a duty. It's like, no, this is it's time to go. It's time to accept a call as a pastor regardless of what you thought you were going to do. So your calling, your calling, your calling. How are you laboring with God, co-laboring with God for the greater good? Hey, maybe it's raising kids. Hey, maybe it's selling shoes. Hey, maybe it's going back to school. Hey, maybe it's quitting school and getting a job. It could be all of this. It could be any of this. Um, do you guys like Marvel? They make movies and stuff. It's basically a bunch of kid magazines that they've turned into a whole enterprise of movies. I, there's only one I like, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy. I, my mentor is um, Rocket Raccoon. I want to be him. <laughs> but I had the chance to watch, don't ask me why, I had the chance to watch Dr. Strange, Dr. Strange. Have you ever seen that one? It's like the best one. I'm just going to tell you that. You know what's beautiful about it? He's this neurotic, arrogant, prideful neurosurgeon. And he gets in a car wreck and he can't use his hands anymore. So he tries everything he can to, to get him to work again. And he ends up at this like mystic thing. I don't know if they call it in the movie. And there's this one called the Ancient One, and she's like in charge of mystic arts. And you really don't know what she's doing, but it turns out she's actually holding back the forces of darkness from like shredding reality. And he goes there for healing so he can become a doctor again, but she's calling him in to join the fight. So that's cool, right? It makes for a good movie. But at one point, he's like, he just wants to get fixed so he can go back and do surgery. She said, you know what? You're prideful and you're arrogant and you're deathly afraid of failing. He says, yeah, and you know what? That made me a good doctor. I was like, go, 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 go. And he said, or she said, maybe, but it blinds you from the one thing that matters. He's like, what? It's not about you. He said, you know what? I was saving lives. And the ancient one said, no, no, no. You were saving yourself. Everything you did as a doctor was about saving you. However you find your calling, never think it's going to save you. It's not going to give you enough meaning. It's not going to give you enough money. It's not going to give you enough opportunities. It's always going to come up short because it's never meant to do that. Ever. Ever. Remember, you are a piece of work. Ephesians 2. We are his workmanship, that's God's, created in Christ Jesus for good works that God has prepared beforehand that you might walk in them. That's your calling. That's it. What am I supposed to do? I don't know. Do, do something. Do your job and enjoy it. Find a new job and enjoy it. Think through these different areas of responsibility that we have. But stop trying to become something in your job. Please, just be. God did not give that calling for us to become gods. We are not becoming anything. He just called us to be, belong to him. When Jesus was confronted about this, hey, what are we supposed to do to do the works of God? He's like, good question. Believe in the one 
in whom he is sent. That's the work of God. Your calling starts there and it ends there. And if you've never heard that, receive it. Just be, right? Be forgiven. Don't be, don't be separated from your caller. Well, I don't know if I believe in God. Well, believe in him. Look around you, right? Be forgiven. Be reconciled through the work of Christ to God. Do that. Trust him for your future. Stop holding your future with a white-knuckle death grip. And he will work through whatever your hands touch. Whatever your hands touch. Isn't that beautiful? This is his call for you. This is his call. Your calling is to co-labor with him for the greater good. His kingdom is coming. Start living like it. Start getting ready for it. Start teaching people about that. And start reflecting his worth in all that you do. And then find something and do it. And if you get it wrong, it's okay. It's okay. Got to work through that too. <coughs> Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you. You're kind, you're good, you're wonderful. You're so patient. And I feel the heaviness in this room of people that have made wrong decisions in vocation or are afraid to make our wrong decision in vocation. Lord, take away that pressure. Let them feel the freedom of belonging to a good father who loves them, who, who doesn't base, you don't value us because of what we do. You value us because you love us. So my prayer is that we would find that freedom Lord, we would understand what it means to co-labor with you for the greater good and for your glory. And I pray that whatever we put our hands to as a church will show off your worth, and I pray your blessing on the work of the hands of everyone here and who's listening. It's in the name of Jesus, whose work makes us yours. I pray this. Amen.